We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Manji Anner. Derek C. Paul with the man, the myth, the legend. Norm Hightower back for another edition of Rams Talk Radio for our week two preview of the Cardinals and the Rams. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. We have, you know, a 1-0 Rams team. I'm just stoked. How are you feeling today? No, we're one and zero. We started a little slow, but you know we saw what we're going to be in the second half, and I'm pretty stoked myself. Yeah, I, w- I was having a PTSD moment in that first half, man. Oh my gosh! I know I was having. No, a, I, 
I was having to send calming messages to Derek over text. Saying, Dude, it's going to be all right. Just relax. <laughs> My gosh, is right. I, I'm just sitting there thinking, is the the uh, inner cynic, the inner pessimist just coming out? That Well, they won. Third through 13. Folks, before we move on, when I ask you to check us out on iTunes, please, we could really uh, use a good review there. A nice flash star would be appreciated. It will enter you into that long-standing contest. It is older than my child right now. I kid you not. This contest is going on. We need 100 reviews, 100 flash star reviews, and then we'll pick out a winner for a gift ticket over to NFLshop.com. Also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, all pretty much most places podcasts are available. We're also on iebeatradio.com. They air our shows Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, joining us today for our preview podcast is USA Today Cards Wire and Rise Up Sea Red hosts. Yes, Root, but first, we do want to just ask you to you know to support us through our sponsor. Our sponsor is Jim Hawk. His Hollywood team, his story Hollywood team, Great Glam of the 1950s LA Rams, is an amazingly well done book. It's it's not too long, it's a good read. It's a great chance to get embedded in some Rams history. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he left behind in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy Frazier, Hirsch, Tom Fears, Les Richter, all in the story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find book, Hawks book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And... It's going to be on paperback at some point, too. So if you like paperbacks, it'll be there as well. Folks, I've read it. Now, the scholar, Norm, has read it. It's a good one. Trust us. It's Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s L.A. Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. Okay, folks, without further ado, here it is, our conversation with Jess Root. All right, folks, I am here with Jess Root from USA Today's Cards Wire, also hosts the podcast Rise Up Sea Red. He's a regular on our show. Jess, how you doing? Doing all right. Um, not real thrilled about how week one went for the Cardinals, but optimistic that things are going to look up at least. Okay, I guess right away that just gets me started here. What on earth happened in week one? Uh, nothing worked. <laughs> In a nutshell, nothing worked. It was, I suspect, here's here's how the Cardinals were kind of built. The way Steve Wilkes has talked about all offseason, it all starts up front, meaning they've got to be able to be stout defensively and establish the run. And when those two things were, t- well, when, when they were unable to stop the Washington running game early, it basically threw out, basically, Confabulated any game plan or success that they were going to have. So they weren't able to, so the, the first quarter was scoreless, but they weren't doing well. The, the Cardinals moved the ball on the ground early on with David Johnson, um, but they just couldn't stop Washington's running game. And when that happened, and they ultimately ended up getting a three touchdown lead in the second quarter, the Cardinals were unable to implement their game plan. I, I kind of liken their the way they're built and kind of how they have success this year. It's kind of the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year, 
that, you know, if you get up on them a couple of touchdowns, it's going to be really hard for them because, one, they're not equipped. It did, based on what we saw in the passing game, they just weren't equipped to to use the passing game to to be effective, and they had to run, get away from the running game. And, and so once once they got the lead, everything sort of changed, and then things kind of fell apart. I mean, the Cardinals only held them to three second-half points, but yeah, the, the, the inability to stop the run early and having to get away from the run sort of kind of just basically took everything off the table as to what their keys to success were going to be. So now they have the Rams this week, and the Rams, that's how the Rams pulled away that second half, which is running all over the Raiders. What do you think the Cardinals will need to do this weekend against the Rams to avoid the same mistake, the same, the, the same yeah. result? <laughs> that That's the thing, is... is what what Steve Wilkes said, and and I can I can believe a lot of this is that many of the problems they had defending the run have to do with the fact that they're playing in a new defense. Um, what the Cardinals ran before, you know, they ran a two gap system, and players can make reads one way or another. And this is a very basic idea: is you have your one gap, you have your one assignment, you got to do your job, or things get go sideways, is they're not quite there yet and need to get there in a hurry. So the key point is, like, can they contain Todd Gurley? Can they make those corrections? If they can, they're going to be able to keep it close. Otherwise, it's going to be a long afternoon. That, that's kind of what most Cardinal fans and myself it's not a case of can the Cardinals beat the Rams. I think that would be like overly excited or putting much higher expectations. But can the Cardinals be competitive? They weren't even competitive last week. This week, this game, this week, nobody has ever nobody's ever penciled that in as a win or even a likely win or probably a possible win based on how the teams look on paper. But the Cardinals need to do something differently to look to at least look at something more than inept, which is what they looked like last week. So, I mean, just an honest question here, and you could take it maybe as a joke or me giving you a little bit of a gentle rib here, but how long does Sam Bradford make it before he gets hurt in this game? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, that was our running joke. Uh, they're going to they're hurt somebody. They hurt somebody every game, it feels like, whether it's, David Johnson at the end of 2016, or Carson, they break his arm. It's been Drew Stanton in the past. It's been Carson Palmer in the past. You, if, if the rant is, can you just not hurt Sam Bradford? Can it not be David Johnson? Could it be, let's say, um, a guy that plays on special teams like a JJ Nelson? If, if we got to pick somebody, could it be someone that's not going to have a key role because they had gum at those Rams. It, they hurt the Cardinals every time. It was like, it was like, yeah, like last year, they did so much to protect Carson Palmer all offseason and, and during the training camp and during the season with practice. And what does he do? He breaks his arm. You can't prepare for that. He, he gets his arm broken during the game in London. <laughs> so 
Uh, and, and by the way, yeah. And by the way, nobody here is advertising and saying, "Hey, we want to see anybody get hurt." But it's just kind of the running joke. The Rams just seem to hurt Cardinals quarterbacks. I can't, you know, how many times the Rams hurt Carson Palmer the course of his career? It was at least three times. Yeah. It ended his ended his season twice for the Cardinals, and then ended Drew Stanton's season. And goodness, let's not talk about that anymore. Well, it's, well, it's let's, let's, well, let me ask you this thing though: How you know we, we like we didn't see the game out here. We we as much as we want to be able to see all the NFC West games, it doesn't. It's always possible for us. How did Sam Bradford look against the Redskins? Oh, he, he didn't. It, the one thing that people have been saying, that everyone said since he was acquired, just how accurate he is with his throws. He didn't look good. Um, it was, now, I've known this all along. It was Dink and Dunk and Dink and Dunk. And Sam Bradford is that. He's a super conservative. He's Alex Smith. In, now, you guys know. He's Alex Smith without the wins and the athleticism. <laughs> and, and that was, you know, so he, he threw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald. He had seven catches. And everything else was under 10 yards, short of the sticks. And then when he had he had some opportunities, what was uncharacteristic was his ball placement. Um, it wasn't good. Something that even since his rookie year, I mean, his years with the Rams, he didn't have a, a superb completion percentage. But the one thing everyone always talked about was his his incredible ball placement, and it was all over the place on, in week one for whatever reason, whether it was. Um, whether it was jitters because it's his first game with the Cardinals, whether it was, um, you know, rust from not getting much time in the preseason, not being on the same page as, as his receivers. But it, it, he looked, you know, it, it's not what you expected from a guy who's been a starting caliber quarterback. It, it, it was the type of game that you might have expected from Drew Stanton a year ago. Well, the thing with Sam Bradford has always been his reliance, his over-reliance on just getting rid of the football, short passes. And I think a lot of it actually comes from playing for Jeff Fisher. And in a lot of ways, Jeff Fisher kind of ruined him. So now you have to try and get him out. But, Shell, Sam Bradford as a quarterback will always have the ability to be a star, but he's never been able to, to – quite live up to it. It's been, it was the biggest frustration we had with him, besides the injuries, of course, was that he would look great in a game and then he would just profoundly disappoint you in the next with just some of the decisions he made and he would go from being super accurate to this ball being overthrown a lot, being out in front of a receiver, being out behind a receiver. Just, it was erratic, I guess is the best word for it. So good luck there. Uh, you know, not against us, but good luck there overall. And maybe he can finally get with a quarterback coach who will get him out of that Jeff Fisher shot. I blame Fisher for a lot. I, listen, Fisher is my, uh, he's, you know, he's, well, he's our 79 BS guy. That's all he ever was. And especially <laughs> offensively. So what do you see coming from the Cardinals defense against this Rams offense? Well, I, I believe that after being embarrassed that last week, I think they're going to make up the Cardinals, at least preseason, they have responded. Um, as you look at kind of things, how match up, how they match up. I'm not worried about the matchups on the outside or down the field. Uh, 
because the Cardinals secondary, at least at, at corner, they're going to be solid. I don't think the Rams will necessarily beat them down the field. It's going to come down to, can, can they get to the pass? Can they get to the to Jared Goff? They did a little bit against Alex Smith. They got three sacks. They had 11 hits and a few pressures. Uh, we got some production from Robert Kandichi. Chandler Jones had another sack. And so the pass rush ability is there. Um, and the coverage down the field was good. The question mark that I have is, are, with what the Redskins did, which was pick apart the Cardinals with the running game and then throwing the ball to the running backs and tight ends, it, will they get that part fixed? Because they picked on, the Redskins picked on Dayton Buchanan, they picked on Buda Baker to some extent, and Trey Boston. And it was, it just was ugly. And they didn't, I don't think they even attempted to target Patrick Peterson. So, but I expect the Cardinals to bounce back. Because I expect this Cardinals defense to be good. And so what they, what they did last week was really out of character for what we're expecting. So I expect them to bounce back. I, I don't know if they'll be able to shut down Todd Gurley after what we saw from him a year ago. He, you know, he, David Johnson, like, I, I look at Todd Gurley as basically a more skilled Adrian Peterson when he was younger. Uh, same type of violent runner, but he also can do things in the passing game that, that Adrian Peterson never could. He's, he's, he's kind of a, a more talented David Johnson in a way because of the, the pedigree he came from in college. And so, can the Cardinals stop him? I, I at least limit him. The, the part that actually really worries me is, is Gurley in the passing game because that's where things got sideways with, with Washington. And we didn't see the Rams doing anything under tight ends. And you mentioned the Cardinals and the dual tight ends with the Redskins. I'm curious to see if the Rams will try and make those moves and get, you know, a couple of the, you know, the young guys in there. To play with that, that's something Sean McVay was known for with when he was with the Redskins, and now looks like the opportunities are there against the Cardinals' defense to do the same thing. Yeah, um, but like, when I did my off-season stuff, I would do some off-season rankings about the tight. The tight end position is is incredibly unremarkable and unremarkable in the division. So it at is. least <laughs> at least it's not a case where you've got Vernon Davis and Jordan Reed. Well, there is one guy we've been keeping an eye on for a while, and we're just waiting for him to break out, and that's Gerald Everett. If Gerald Everett breaks out, he just so has so much speed going down the field, athleticism, that he can be one of those guys, but he's the kid. And Jericho is a big star, and of course he didn't finally show up until, oh, gee, Monday night against the Rams. But that's whoever it is. He's got that athleticism, and... You know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him finally break out in a game against the Cardinals, somebody like that. But you're right, the Rams don't have the tight ends, to, you know, haven't shown it yet to do much damage. But that, do, that, that does lead me to the middle of the field there. The linebacking core for the Cardinals, how does that look? The linebacking core looks, mm, well, here, here's, here's an interesting nugget. The Cardinals played nickel the entire game. So even in, even against the base offense, even against the ace, the, the two tight ends, Traditional base base offense. 
they went with, rather than putting Hassan Reddick, having the trio of Hassan Reddick, Josh Barnes, and Dale Buchanan, they have put Buda Baker in that linebacker role, even in a base set, to allow, to allow them to have Antoine Bethay, Trey Boston, and Buda Baker on the field at the same time. They feel that is a most talented 11, at least for base packages, but what that does, it makes the Cardinals really, really lean at linebacker. Josh Bynes in the middle, he's a traditional size linebacker. Dan Buchanan, even though he's in year five in the league, he's still undersized. He's a former safety, uh, weighing in about 215 pounds. And then Buda Baker, he's, you know, what, 5'10", 195, maybe 200. And he's, now he's playing in addition to the, the slot corner. And, and he, he originally was going to be uh, the, the box safety in base sets. Now he's playing actual linebacker. So that's questionable there. They look, they only kind of look lost last week. Buda Baker putting together some, some nice tackles, but the Redskins were able to target and, and stick apart those linebackers, which was a problem. Gotcha. Now flipping it around to the Rams defense against the Cardinals offense here. I I know you have a let me get this right. A rookie center there, right? Correct. Maybe okay. Paul, third rounder out of Michigan, so yes. And uh, with the Duncan Sue and Aaron Donald in the middle for the Rams, how do you feel about that right now? Um, uneasy at best. <laughs> Here's the thing. Mason Cole, the one thing that he has over the AQ ship, AQ Shipley, um, their most consistent lineman of the last two years. The one thing he didn't have was he didn't have the physical talent. Mason Cole played three years of left tackle in Michigan. Uh, he was their best lineman. He's six foot five. He's three fifteen. So physical talent is something he has in spades. The, the only the thing that we run across with Cole is inexperience. And so, in many ways, the Cardinals match up much better um, in, with that interior because now you've got Mike Upati healthy. And when a healthy Mikey Potty is a very good mm-hmm. offensive lineman. Justin Pugh, a very solid interior guard. So I, I think the matchup on the interior is going to be, it's not favorable for the Cardinals. I don't think anybody matches up favorably against that, that front of Brockers and Sue and Donald. So it's not favorable, but it's capable. And, and with AQ Shippey on there, you've got the smarts and you've got the calls. There's nothing he hasn't seen, but now you've got a more physically talented center to to hold up against a guy like Rockers. And now going into the secondary matches with the receivers to the Rams secondary, how are you feeling with that? Is are there openings there against what the Rams offer? Well, here's the thing. Clearly, they've got the they've got the best, they've got one of the best duos of cornerbacks in the league. And the Cardinals have, outside of Larry Fitzgerald, big question marks at receivers. So they got Chad Williams, second-year player, three catches last year. Christian Kirk, second-round pick this year. He's a rookie, had one catch for four yards. They only targeted the receivers outside of Fitzgerald five times last week and got one catch for four yards. Um, I'm not optimistic that they're going to be able to do much down the field if they're going to do anything with the receivers, it's going to have to be around the line of scrimmage and then work with mismatches with Fitz, probably trying to, to line him up inside, not against one of the toppers, one of the top corners, 
because Los Angeles clearly has a big advantage, at least the corner against the receivers. So the Cardinals are going to have to make plays elsewhere. And the Raiders only attempted nine passes, two receivers last week. I'm on the ninth. Nine, that's it. And so they they were, it was locked down city in Oakland last weekend. And so that leaves for the Rams, their linebacker core. And that's what, that's what everybody's asking questions about. Do you see the Cardinals trying to get in there, getting some intermediate stuff? That's, that's the Sam Bradford thing again. Or what it kind is. of offensive calling are you looking to see in this game against that, well, let's just say it's less than stout so far linebacking core? Well, that, that's where the, the part of this is. David Johnson. This is where this has got to be David Johnson's game because he's got to be able to run the ball, and he's the guy that can create those mismatches against those linebackers in catching the ball. This, If the car is going to be successful, this is going to be a big David Johnson game. And, and so at the secondary, at secondarily, they're, they're back up in Chase Edmonds, who, who showed some nice things against Washington. Really impressive uh, young back out of Fordham. Um, I believe, I've actually, I believe he'd be a very capable, I mean, he's not going to be the same level as David Johnson, so he's not a top-tier starter quality, but I believe he is a capable starter talent in the league, even as a, as a late fourth rounder for, for the Cardinals out of Fordham, you know. Two Fordham picks in the last few years. The Cardinals got both of them. John Skelton back in 2010 and, and, and Chase Edmonds. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones is a guy they want to get going. I don't think Jermaine Gresham's quite going to be back, but Ricky Seals-Jones, who's their top tight end right now, they use him They use him kind of as an outside receiver. Uh, so it depends on how they will attempt to use him. If they try to match him up on the outside against against the safety, against against the linebacker if they line him up inside. Kind of a, I think the major, major targets, I mean, obviously the, they're going to try and get things with their receivers early, and they're going to try and target the David Johnson, Chase, Edmonds, Ricky Field Jones are kind of my, my key guys to watch for offensively because they can they can be the ones who can exploit the, the linebacking court. I mean, you've got the Rams are super talented up front, super talented at the back end, at least on, at least on, the, on the borders. And in the middle of the field, they're capable because you can't have you can't yeah. have everything. And I think I was actually a little hard. Everything. I think I was a little hard when I said that about the linebacking core. Mary, the first half against the Raiders, they did whatever they wanted against that front seven, especially once they got into the linebacking core. In the second half, there against a bit of a smaller back. I'm not sure why the Raiders took Lynch out, but against a smaller back, that linebacking core stepped up, especially Corey Littleton. But he was all over the field for the Rams. And that's what I was thinking is, is who's, who's going to step up in this game if the Cardinals are successful again in rushing the ball? If, if they can, I, I don't know. I, I have to think the Cardinals wouldn't make the same mistake the Raiders did. I just, I no. don't think so. No. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. But now here's the thing. Things, things are going to be a problem if, if the Rams score early. If the Rams get up a couple of touchdowns, I think that's going to really uh, cause problems for the game plan because then you have to start pressing. And, and here's the part. The Cardinals, they got away from – I think they're going to have to be like how Jacksonville was a year ago. So even if you're down two touchdowns, you're still going to have to go with that original game plan, methodical, short, got to just keep moving the chains. 
because big plays won't happen otherwise. The only problem there, though, with between Jacksonville and the Cardinals is, I mean, at least with Jacksonville, they had better receivers last year. You know, all you really have right now is Larry Fitzgerald, unless somebody else will step up. You know, but Jacksonville had people to bail out. Oh boy, they're, I don't want, I don't want to mention his name right now. I can't stand the guy in terms of, <laughs> huge disappointment for, for a quarterback down there. So, I mean, do you see somebody in the receiving core that can step up? Well, here's the thing. Chad, like both Williams and Kirk can. They can. They're talented enough. They just haven't. They're just unproven. Chad Williams has the ability to to be very physical. He's got he's got size. He does have speed, and he's got physicality. So the potential is there. It's just he, there's inexperience, and he's unproven. Christian Kirk, who was dynamic inside the numbers and in traffic at Texas A&M, can do it. But looking receivers, it's tough to count on them to be big. But they're the number two and number three receivers on the team right now. So the ability's there. It's just a matter of, well, with the corners that, that Los Angeles has, will they completely take them out of the game? Um, or will they, uh, you know, are we going to see bubble screens, quick ends, that type of thing before before the corners can really kind of take them out of you know, legal pick play type things, those type of games. I, I, I think it's just kind of picking my brain as to what Mike McCoy is going to have to do to, I to think kind of mitigate though the great cover guys on the on the outside. Well, it's not just that the, the Rams have very good safeties too. So I, I'm thinking you're kind of pinpointing it: bubble screens, the short intermediate routes. You know, get them out in the hitch, get it. You know, get guys coming out of the backfield moving. That's what the Raiders do when they're successful, and then they got away from it. And by the time they even try to go back to it, it was done. They were they were done. There was just no way. It's I, that's I think it has to be the way the Cardinals hit the Rams. I don't see them getting much deep on the Rams at all. I just don't. Um, the only other way is play action. So if they're successful running the ball, then play action can draw those safeties in a step, and that, then that that'll free. That can free Larry Fitzgerald for a big player two or Chad Williams for a big player two. I, I don't think we're – this is not the Bruce Arians, you know, the the pumpkin chucking off of the road, the no risk and no biscuits where they're chucking the ball down the field. But you, you get a few you get a few successful run plays, and then you can take a shot that's 15 yards down the field, down the seam. Maybe it won't be – maybe it won't be the go route on the outside uh, on the on the borders, but you can you can take advantage of something in the intermediate range down the field in, the, in between the numbers. And if, again, if I'm if we're making that going back to Jacksonville comparison, I do think that although Clay, you know although Bortles down there has a stronger arm than Bradford, Bradford when he's on is much more accurate. He's much more capable of being consistent. Make the kind of plays you're looking for. So that's the hope. That's the hope. That's, that's, you know. Well, hopefully not against us. <laughs> hopefully the, you know, as, as kind of I'm looking at this game is, as much as I love the Cardinals to win, this is not a game I can foresee them winning. And with Vegas, I mean, this might be, this might, I mean, it's already the lines up to almost two touchdowns. It this might be just a case of can they even cover that game? I, yeah, I saw a 13. So here's the question, and I know you got to go, we're out of time here for you. Go ahead and make the call. What are you going to call the score? 
I norm I normally like to be home worse, but okay, this is going to be thirty one twenty. Thirty one twenty. The 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 Cardinals look better offensively. They they look. I I what I want for this game to be, and I'm going to say this going to be. It's going to be competitive for about three plus quarters, and then the the Rams will pull ahead, or and then the Rams will pull ahead, and then we'll get. And it'll look not nearly as competitive as it was, but they'll be able to pull ahead like they did against the, the Raiders, just not quite as early. I, for, on my end here, I see it as I just have a hard time seeing the Cardinals scoring a lot and being able to keep up long term. I, I don't. I have a hard time seeing them get the twenty. So I'm gonna go thirty-one seventeen Rams, and I think they'll probably pull away mid third quarter. So we're not too far off. Yeah, reasonable on both ends. I just don't want it to be a shellacking, please. Well, if, if I'm honest, because I know we weren't big fans of Mr. Arians while Trashy talked about the Rams. Now that he's gone, I think he can be a little more reasonable and, and say, okay, you know, no blowouts. <laughs> um, I just remember all those memories of Bruce Arians just talking trash about the Rams. And uh, <laughs> our fan base was like, we just want that guy. We just want to beat them every time. And then last year, you know, they did pretty well with them. So, all right, Jess, thank you so much as always for coming on the show. You always bring us good insight, and and um, you know, you really should have one have one of us on your show once in a while. You know, yeah, I mean, you should. I, I, what the heck? I haven't had in years. I haven't had a a guest from another show. I haven't done a preview show. We do one show a week, uh, and that's when we I've got my co-host. We haven't done we haven't done the preview shows with other guests in a long, long time. But I should, I really should. <laughs> well, yeah, I know Norm loves to talk with you, and so he's missed the last couple of times. He had a really good time talking to you once the last of the first time we podcast. We had all those technical problems, and it was just this huge embarrassment for us. That one, he loved just talking football with you. So you got to get him on, man. Just saying, just saying. Uh, all right, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> all right. All right, folks, it's Jess Root from Carswire, also the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast. Thanks a lot, Jess. All right, thank you. All right, so before Norm, this is Norm's chance to really talk here in a minute, but before we get into that, we do want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor. You want to take this one? Sure. All right, you go. Well, we'd like you guys to check out Sal Martinez at the Golden Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Sal Martinez opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day they left for St. Louis and has kept the lights on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows that we sent you to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. The visit to his shop is worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there, but he also provides that old-school barbershop experience. Talking Rams football, any football, and more. Trust me, folks, you won't regret it. He even managed to make Derek and I look pretty well, and he turned Johnny into Magic Johnny. <laughs> he's he's <clears throat> magical. <laughs> All right. 
Um, I do want, before we just dig into Norm's thoughts, I do want to make one point because there was, looking back at my conversation with Jess, I was especially harsh on the linebackers. I have been uh, pretty much since th- that day. I guess part of it for me is a little bit of disappointment in having talked with Sam Sandicon during Rams Fest and so on and so forth. And it would, you know, just seeing the stars move a little bit in preseason, it, di- it didn't make me happy. And they had a rough first half. So I think I was overly harsh on them, hindsight being 2020. Corey Littleton had a great game, 13 tackles. I mean, I can't, you can't ask more from the guy than that. So, you know, when you're wrong, you're, when you're wrong, you need to be a man and say you're wrong. And I think I was wrong on that one. I need to give them more time. And, um, you know, I, I am excited to see how this linebacking core develops this point forward. Yeah, so kinda, there you go. I kind of jabbed you a little bit when you texted me about that, saying that, wow, you figured all that out in one quarter already? Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just the way it went down. But, you know, I didn't really give them the benefit of the doubt, you know. I didn't give them – one, Oakland came in with a really, really good game plan. To, and I, I'm befuddled as to why they went away from that game plan, to be honest with you. They came with a good game plan. They really tested the Rams' middle. They, you know – beat us up inside, and then they went away from it. And part of it, you can say, I'm sure the Rams adjusted some to it. I'm sure they did. They did. And some of it is just, you just stopped trying. And that's what Oakland did. They just said, screw it. So, in the meantime, these linebackers woke up, and they turned out to have a great game, especially for Littleton. So, yeah, man, I was wrong. I'll say it. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The, the Oakland Raiders have a really super good offensive line. Their offensive line is big and strong. And they didn't get pushed around too much by our, our defensive line at the beginning of the game. And when you had Marshawn Lynch running the football, he's hard to bring down no matter who you are. So they had, a, like you said, they had a really good game plan going. They came in and executed really well. Jared Cook, for whatever reason, had a great game. I think he was, you know, a little revenge to the Rams and all that. But, you know, he certainly didn't play like that for us. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, he was all over that his show. Yeah, but that I mean they they did execute really well in the first half and they had a good game plan and you're right it's it's uh it's a mystery to me why they did that but to be honest I think that first Aaron Donald hit to to Carr even though he got flagged on it which you know whatever but he got flagged on it but the hit I think got Carr got it got in Carr's head. And then all the pressure after that got in his head, and I think that's when the demise started to happen. So, you know, obviously it's a different team in the second half, and you could see the rust falling off the, the offense, mm-hmm. you know, in the first half. And, you know, I think uh, I think you'll see a much different team when we face the Cardinals this week. And one more thing before we move on as well. If you look at the Raiders roster, it is not – it doesn't have the talent the Rams have. But it's not a weak roster either. They have talent in many key areas. It's just not a cohesive roster. So I don't want folks to sell the Rams short in a 33-13 victory. The Raiders have players. They have talent there. Now, didn't I they mean, have like 13 or 14 wins just a couple of years ago before Carr went down? Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they've had some turnover. Their group came in there and cleaned a lot of house up. But you still have some, some talented guys, Amari Cooper, Carr. Marshawn Lynch, they had some guys on defense as well. This is not, the cover's not fair there, not by any stretch of the match. Amari who? Cooper. Who? Did he even play? <laughs> I mean, that's a good point. Rams, what, nine? These nine Rams secondary saw nine pass to receivers. 
nine. And so, what a game! What a game plan in the end that panned out. So, I don't know. You know. If you, I don't know if you saw uh, Wade Phillips's press conference today, but their game plan was to shut down the wide receivers in the running game. That was their game plan. They didn't even game plan against Jared Cook at all. Pretty obvious in the first half. Uh, you know, as soon as they put a keep to leave and, and started putting corners on him, that kind of changed things around a little bit. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I think they had to change their, their offensive game plan a little bit is because Cooks was being covered, you know, by different people. And, you know, there were there were several players on the Rams that had good games. Tlaib had a good game, even though stats-wise you wouldn't see a whole lot from him. But he had a really good game. Marcus Peters, again, you don't see a lot of stats, but he gets a pick six at the end of the game. John Johnson, excellent game. LaMarcus Joyner tackling beast mode and getting up and talking crap to him. I thought that was awesome because he's not, you know, he's like half the size of Marshawn Lynch and he didn't take any crap from him. Cooper Cup making some tough catches. You know, Jared Goff looked like he was in total command while he was out there. He may not have been as accurate as we'd like him to be, but he, he looked in total command. So our offensive line, Jared Goff's pants weren't even dirty at the end of the game. And they were playing on a dirt field. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, overall, you have to really, even though it, the first half didn't turn out like we want, you have to look at this game overall and go, you know, they played pretty solid for the starters only on defense, having one series in preseason. And the Monday night, the Monday night announcer, so I thought, I thought the Monday night team in the second game, the Rams and Raiders were a much better team than the, the Lions-Jets team. That Lions-Jets announced team was just absolutely horrid. They made one good point, though, the Rams Raiders announced. I forget who they were now. Don't ask. I'm not looking, looking, forward back, looking back that far. The idea was, you know, the Rams were willing to risk the loss early in the year to, to keep their players healthy. And they still came out and won this game by 20. So looking back, I'm, I'm happy with it. I look forward to seeing what happens this weekend. Well, and the other point, too, is you got to look at who they were going to play their first two games. I mean, nobody expected the Raiders to beat the Rams. They came out with a really solid game plan and a little hyped up first game under Gruden and at home. You know, I expected the Raiders to come out strong. I didn't expect them to stay strong, and that's exactly what happened. But when you know you're playing a Raiders team that's <laughs> really wounded after trading away their best player and one of the best players on defense in the league and then you know you're facing a struggling Cardinals team you know that you don't see a lot of firepower from at least you don't think you're going to see a lot of firepower from them you know you can probably take that risk and take some preseason time off or the whole preseason for that matter because you got two games to really warm up before you meet San Diego so I think overall you know with hindsight being 2020 I think it was really smart of McVay to do what he did as fans, we don't like it because we don't like to not see our players play. But you know, they're all they're all healthy now, except for you know a couple players that got hurt in the game. But and you know, another thing too with that is that folks they may be unhappy not seeing those players during the preseason, but there's also the uncertainty of what team will show up on Monday night. That's what I was thinking because I didn't know what team was going to show up, and when you get down. You know, 13, 10, you tied up late. It, it doesn't feel good. Actually, we went down halftime 13, 10, weren't we? Yeah, we half went down 10, 13. 13 to 10. Yeah, so 
I mean, you, you those things go on. You get nervous. You're wondering if you made a mistake. You're not liking what you're seeing in the field. You're seeing Jared Cook burn the Rams. It's not Jared freaking Cook burn the Rams. It's not fun. Not fun. But we got to move forward. Though. We're going to be. We could talk about this all night. <laughs> um, we just we just heard the interview. We just heard the interview with Jess Root. What are your initial thoughts on uh, on this game and what he had to say? Uh, he said exactly what I would expect him to say when he's covering a, a team that we all believe is going to struggle this year. Um, you know, <laughs> I can see the Rams having a pretty significant win this week coming up. I mean, we'll go into predictions later. But, you know, he's got some confidence in his team. He still doesn't expect them to win, but he expects them to keep it kind of like the Raiders did, you know, probably the first half, keep the game close. I don't think you're going to see that this week. At least I hope I'm I'm right. But I can see Sam Bradford, like you guys talked about, uh, being a little nervous of this game. I mean, wouldn't anybody be nervous seeing our defensive front coming at him and him being made out of glass kind of <laughs> kind of makes him a little bit afraid, I would think. They've got some talent on that team. You know, the running back, the wide receiver that they've got, they're, they're a talented team, but they're obviously, they're kind of in rebuild mode too. So I mean, defensively they have a little more talent. Chandler Jones, defensive end. Sure. Patrick Peterson, corner. Jamar Taylor, corner. That's a solid combo with Jamar Taylor and Patrick Peterson. Antoine Gouffet in the secondary at free safety. I imagine the Rams are going to try and attack them underneath first and then, you know, look deep later. I don't like the way this Cardinal offense is built, though. And, you know, it's the offensive line going to be okay. Andre Smith's a solid tackle. Mike Iupati at their left guard is a solid guy. Mason Cole in the center. I But it's still not even as good an offensive line as what the Raiders had last week. I think eventually the Rams are going to break them down. Yeah, and I think you're going to see – Big doses of Todd Gurley in the beginning of the game. And uh, I think you're going to see him connect on one of those long balls this week. Uh, I was, even though they didn't catch any, I was happy to see them throw like that against the Raiders. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen, you know, the Rams in quite a few years throw the ball downfield like that. And it netted us like 87 yards just in penalties alone. So that, that alone makes it worth it. But I think you're going to see that connection. And even though they've got a good, solid secondary at Arizona, I think with a solid running game from Gurley, I think you'll see our tight ends actually come into play this week a little bit because he's going to want to open up the field a little bit more, I think. But I don't think they have enough talent to cover our three wide receivers. And I think that's going to be, at the end, going to be what's going to make the score what it's going to be. My guess is they're going to go back to that Raider film and see exactly what the Raiders did in that first half and try to emulate it. So I, I would expect big doses of David Johnson sure. from them in the first half. And so those frustrations that I was just talking about from the first half last week, I want to see if the Rams can, can improve upon that. If they do, this game's a blowout. If they, if they can shut down David Johnson at least – well, I, I don't want to say shutting down because shutting down – Probably isn't going to happen. He's, he's too good. But containing him some, I think they can do that. If they can contain him some, limit him, 
I, this this Rams team should blow them out. Well, you're going to see an Aaron Donald on his second week, not his first week. I'm sure that's going to be an improvement. He wasn't happy with his performance, so you can see he's going to come out with some fire. Him and Sue and Brockers have now played together a game, so they're bound to be better their second game. Corey Littleton had a good game in his first game. He's more experienced now. He's got a little more, you know, he's probably going to be a little more up-to-date with the speed of the game now. And he did an extremely good job, so I can see our linebackers doing better. I like the way that uh, our outside linebackers looked, even though uh, Jared Cook had big game. It wasn't really their fault. Uh, Dominic Easley had some good plays. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank on our other one. Longacre. He had a pretty good game, mm-hmm. too. They seem to be split in time, which I think is smart. You know, both players coming off uh, injuries and kind of repairing their bodies but getting some solid playing time. I think we're going to see a lot more of them. And I really see this game going very poorly for Arizona. I don't think they're going to have – they don't have, I don't think, the talent overall, offensive line with their running backs, with their quarterback, with their wide receivers that that Oakland had. And I don't think they can push the Rams around quite as much as Oakland did in the beginning of the game. So I think you're going to see a little bit different result this week. I don't think you're going to see the Rams struggle quite as much. Well, Sam Bradford is starting quarterback, struggled last week. Is Tell me this. The Rams traded Bradford. It wasn't exactly the prettiest divorce. It wasn't anything really – there was no animus there either, but it didn't work out. Do the Rams I – mean, do you think – they look forward to going up against Bradford and adding him to their list of <laughs> casualties they've had of Cardinals quarterbacks over the years, or is it is this something that doesn't bother them in terms of bothering is probably not the right word. Is it something that doesn't even cross their mind? I guess would be a better way to frame it. You know, how does this game feel? Do you think if you're Bradford or if you're the Rams defense? Well, if you're the Rams, how many people on the team were on the team when Bradford was here? Just a few. Just a couple. So I really don't think on the Rams side, the coaches are all different. I mean, I really don't think you're going to see anything on the Rams side about Bradford, you know, for former feelings or anything like that. Bradford, he probably wishes he was playing for the Rams. now. (laughs) Uh, You know, had the kind of offensive line that we have compared to what he had and all that. I don't think there's any animosity there, but I know he's going to want to come out and have a good game, especially for two reasons. One, because he's playing the Rams, and the other is because he struggled last week. We know he can be accurate. He doesn't have the the real long ball shot, but he's a very accurate quarterback when he's on. And if he's on, he could make it a game for our defense. But again, he's throwing against Aqib Tlaib, Marcus Peters, Joyner, John Johnson. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, he's going to have Aaron Donald, Sue, Brockers, Littleton, all those guys breathing down his throat. So uh, I don't see him having a good game. And if he's going to get hurt this season. (laughs) It's probably against the Rams. It's probably against the Rams. And I'm not saying that to be a homer. It's just look at who he's facing. There's coverage is going to be tough. He's going to need more time in the pocket. He's got three beasts barreling at him. So I don't want him to get hurt. I never want anyone to get hurt. But if it's going to happen, we just seem to have that history of hurting Cardinals quarterbacks. It, it's it's I, I joked a bit with um, and that wasn't a mean joke. It wasn't intended to be a mean joke, but it's just the reality of it. You, you historically since what 2012, 
they've been hurting Cardinals quarterbacks. Well, they, the Cardinals have failed for six years to adequately protect their quarterbacks, and they, is it the worst time? And to me, it's, it's only a matter. By the way, it's off topic a little bit. It's only a matter of time with the Rams just in and Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's only a matter of time. Well, and if you saw how the Broncos had Wilson running for his life, and if you noticed every time he ran away from the rush, he always ran backwards and did a reverse, and somebody was there to meet him. So, might Rams might want to put that in there in their notes. But yeah, I agree. Russell Wilson's, you know, a really good quarterback, but sometimes he has to do everything to make that team win. And sooner or later, it's going to catch up to him. And the Rams certainly have the defensive line to make that happen with the coverage that'll be going on. You know, we used to, you know, I used to make fun of Bradford. Uh, I liked Sam Bradford. I really wish he'd have worked out for our team. I was stoked when we got him. I thought he was going to work out really well for us, but we used to say things like he's probably going to tear his ACL, uh, Getting on the bus. Yeah, getting on the plane or getting on the bus. So, you know, I, I don't wish that on him. Hopefully he stays healthy. But uh, the odds of him staying healthy through a full game with the Rams is probably pretty slim. It's a shame in a lot of ways. This guy was the number one. He was the number one pick for the Rams, and we all had all these hopes. We, we believed in him, and he should flashes of it. I think it's going to go down in history as one of the – I don't want to call it a bust because he, when he was healthy, he played reasonably well. But I will call him a disappointment. Maybe not even him, just the fact of where his career path went, that it was a disappointment. We never got to see how good this guy could be at the NFL level. We, not, we never got to see what he was capable of. I mean, we never will because he's, he's not the same guy who came out from college. He never, he's not the same guy who was reasonably healthy. I know he had shoulder problems, but overall his body had been through a lot, a lot less than it's been through now. We're never going to know how good he could have been, and that's a freaking shame. It really is. Yeah, when the Rams were winning, when he was on the team, it was probably because of him. But when the Rams were losing, it was a lot to do with him, too. Uh, he never had the talent around him like Jared Goff has. So I, I don't feel like he got a fair shake sometimes. And I'd like to see him successful as long as it's not against the Rams. Well, the other side of that, too, is it's not just the fact that he didn't have as much talent. He's playing for Jeff Fisher, and they, they just didn't do anything offensively to help him. And what did they do to develop him? Who did they bring in to develop him? No one. Yeah. It's just, and that, I get fired up about that in a lot of ways because I just, we've talked about, I've talked about so many times. You, the Rams, before Sean McVay, they just wasted so many people's careers. And it's just a crying freaking shame, man. Yeah. You know, well, it just it bothers me. But that era is over with now. We it is. It is. Move on to the new one, which. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you one person who is an anchor for this roster, and I hope they resign him is Roger Saffold. He had all these health issues over the years. He went through all the bad years of the Rams. Now he he plays well for us. He's on a chance to win. I'm cheering for that guy to do well and get another contract and, and finish his, finish his career at the Rams. He deserved it. Well, I'd like to see Whitworth play until he's 40 at this point. <laughs> True. Oh, awesome. Blotta had a great game last weekend, too. Yeah. I, uh, the whole offensive line had a great yeah. game. I mean, what? Did we have, like, one or two penalties the whole game? And don't – yeah, we're talking about Blythe, though. Blythe, of all of our offensive linemen, he was the highest-scoring offensive lineman according to pro football folks. Yeah. He, he I mean, that's definitely making a point that he should be a starter. So, I, you know, I – 
to me, this game seems like an easy one to call. I call it 3114 during the interview with, with uh, Jess. How do you call it? I'm going to call it exactly the same as I did the, uh, the last week's score, which, you know, I was close. Uh, I'm going to go 38-13. I don't see too many teams putting more than uh, 13 points on the board against the Rams this year. And I certainly don't think the Cardinals are one of those teams. It may even be worse than that. May, might, might be 38-10, but I'll go 38-13. I call it a 31-14, and I think I'm being conservative with it, to be honest with you. I just don't this, – this is not a good matchup for the Cardinals at all. Yeah, we could uh, – I think we could see some Sean Mannion in the fourth quarter if, uh, if the game goes like I think it does. And then maybe you'll get to see him with some, some of the – you know, some of the first string and second string players, and maybe we can see what he can actually do or, or not. But I'm hoping it's such a blowout that that does happen. All right, folks, so we're getting ready to close the shop here. We do want to let you know we are looking for sponsors for this season. This is a great, expensive way to get the word out on your business. Our numbers, oh man, you should have seen our numbers from week one. It's good stuff. Folks, come and, get, come and partner with us. We, we can... Uh, we love our sponsors. We love the fact that we can work with you. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. I'll get a media kit out to you. I promise. All right. Hey, by, the, by the way, I've got, I've got something I want to talk about before you shut us down. Oh, okay. Uh, watching the Ravens game, I was watching the pregame, and down at the ticker on the bottom, they were showing the 2019 Hall of Fame uh, eligibles, you know, or, or the ones that are in the running, uh, the initial group. And uh, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I did see when wide receivers popped up. Again, we've got Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt, but Henry Ellard was also in there. Ooh. 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 That, yeah. That's a big ooh for me. Um, and we, we, we've, it's been a while since we talked about. We still have the Hall of Fame initiative. We're we'll going to be working hardcore on that in the coming months. I'm going to go ahead and make the call right now. I believe that Isaac Bruce is getting in this year. Yep, I would too. I believe I believe this is his year. So, I believe that with all my heart. I, th- I don't know when Tory's getting in. I think Tory uh, is, um, his numbers are amazing. The thing that hurts Tory is there were a couple of our guys at the same time of his peak career who had similar numbers. And that's going to be really hard for him to overcome, at least for a while anyways. Okay, anything else? No, I just thought I'd mention that, and I thought if I brought up that, it would get you on our initiative, so my plan worked perfectly. <laughs> so, folks, um, hey, we are big on getting our guys in the Hall of Fame. I think the Rams are massively underrepresented in the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about more as the season goes on. Um, for the guys who are up this time, Isaac Bruce, Tory Holt, Henry Ellard, and we talked to Henry last year. We talked to Isaac last year. So, um, great great people and we were help us support them and let folks know it's time to get them in okay don't forget to follow us on twitter we're at talk rams on facebook at facebook.com forward slash rams talk we're also we have a we have a group as well because facebook's a pain sometimes with look for us the rams talk room you can find me on twitter at dc paula norm at norm high tower you can find us in most podcasting outlets especially itunes don't forget itunes and, of course, IEB Radio. So, for Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. Take it easy. Time to be the Cardinals. Adios.
When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.